0: We welcome in the big man Louis DeBrusque, to Sports fourteen forty. Louis with uh, KK and Schlemmer. Morning, big fella.
1: Morning, guys. How are you guys doing? You know what I mean you don't want you? You probably want to talk about how I was chiseled champion when we went up to Fortress <laughs> Lake. Well, that's what I'm guessing. That's what I'm guessing because you said you don't want to talk about hockey, so you most likely want to talk about how I dominated you in the fishing department.
0: <laughs> so, for our <laughs> listeners, Lou, we just we just posted uh, your picture that I took from Fortress, uh, several, it's a long time ago. So we posted it on uh, the Twitter and uh, that was your kind of intro to tell our listeners that you're coming up so everyone can have a look at this picture. And, I mean, we had a fat. we've gone up there a few times, you and I, but I took this picture of you and I said to you, I remember saying, Lou, that fish isn't very big. And you said, hey, Kay, when you've got guns the size of mine, any fish you hold up isn't going to be a big fish.
1: (laughs) I jokingly said, hey, when you got 20-inch guns, every fish looks (laughs) tall. You know what? What an amazing trip, though. And I don't know if it's – it's it's probably the picture. I know a picture. You had some great photographs, by the way, on that trip. But uh, I know the one time we had Jason Strubik and, um, you know, J.D., Jeff Deloria came to one year, too. And it it was fantastic. It was a beautiful spot. It's right on the border of B.C. and, uh, and Alberta, and I, I I talk about that trip all the time because it was one of the most beautiful places in the world I've ever been to. But um, great company, too, KK. We had a fun time. And just, uh, you know, the, the competitiveness still always comes up, and we had a blast. It, it was uh, one of those trips you just that just stays with you.
0: Well, and again, it was fly fishing just for our, our listeners, and yeah. we would walk right from Camp Lou and be about, I don't know, a half mile or so, and you get to Chisel Creek, and then you would just stand in your wait in your waders and just fly fish, and your arms would get sore from from throwing casts out.
1: I can't remember how many casts in a row it was, but it was funny. I, I got into fly tide too, uh, years ago when I first started fly fishing. It was one of the things I liked about it. Was, and trust me, I get, you see my meat hooks. It, <laughs> it's, 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 I don't do the delicate work. I'm pretty good at streamers. Don't even try me on dries. I'll do the odd nymph. But, uh, you know, it's funny. I um, After the first year we went there, I started putting this pattern together, and that's the one. Remember, I said I could probably sell these. These right now for 20 bucks a pop up here as the Chisel <laughs> Champion because it was like every cat. It was a nice, like a long white streamer with a little zonker strip on it. And I put a pretty heavy head on it because you have to get deep. It's a different type of fishing for those brook trucks. But mm. uh, listen, fantastic. Awesome. I can talk fishing all day. You know that oh, about yeah. me. And, and also the, the Dipper Lake, I finally got up to the legendary Dipper Lake with yeah. you the one time uh, and your buddies. We went for a great trip, and that was an amazing trip. So um, we've had a couple tremendous fishing trips, you and I, Kevin.
0: That was with Howie the Plumber. What did? Could you believe yeah. how many walleye were caught at Dipper?
1: <laughs> we we would just go catch a hundred, come back in, hang out by the fire for a while. Do you want to go catch another hundred? Okay, we'd step out in the boat, go catch <laughs> another hundred. It was incredible. It, it, I've never seen that many voracious walleye in one, one place. And I've I've fished for years up in the Northwest Territories, and you know, you'd get right after ice out. Um, those walleye would just be ravenous, same with the lake trout up in the upper column and big, big pike. But that trip was uh, – I remember looking at you. Just, just so you know, and this is the truth. I took every single lure out of my, uh, every single bait, artificial bait and lure I had, and I packed a lot for that trip. As you remember, I always packed a lot of gear, and I tried to catch a fish on everything in my box. I succeeded. So what did I do? I grabbed a yellow juju out of the jar, <laughs> put half the juju on a jig hook, and caught a walleye with it. I said, "Okay, that's it. I'm done. These things will eat literally anything."
0: And, and I think a piece of red licorice too.
1: Oh was yeah, it? licorice. We caught one on licorice right. We we were trying. We, that's how much they were biting. Is we were trying to figure out what we couldn't catch them. <laughs> and I don't know if we ever did find something that wouldn't bite. It's, yeah. uh That was a pretty cool spot too. Oh,
0: it's lots of fun. Lots of fun. Uh, I think we better get Schlemmer in here before yeah. he leaves the door here. But <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: how you doing, David?
2: I'm doing well, all the way.
1: Yep. yep. <laughs> but, but you know, it's. Uh, but yeah, you know that's great. I, you said you you just raffled something off. Is that what you just said? I uh, I didn't hear the first part of the show. Did you say you, the picture you put up online? Was that something you did uh, for a raffle or something?
0: Was no, not just for, no, I was just putting it out there just to kind of set the table for, that you were coming on
1: for all our listeners. I just yeah. kind of broke up a little bit when you said that. Yeah, yeah cool. no, it's, right it's that
0: picture. It's the one that you're talking about when, when you've got the, the 20 inch guns out there showing off that, that <laughs> brook trout, which was a good size <laughs> brook trout. I mean, okay,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, for sure. So uh, what did you think of the game last night? It must have been awful. F- a lot of fun to be down there at ice level for that one.
1: It was. You know, it was, uh, it was really fast. It was fast and skilled. I was really impressed with both teams, to be honest with you. I think both teams came to play. Both teams were pretty dialed in, and as a result, it almost created some scrambliness. There were, there were some, some uncharacteristic in this 11-game winster turnovers, I thought, from Edmonton. You know, I thought they gave the puck up a little. But I also think you have to credit the Leafs with how aggressive they were on the forecheck, with how fast they were at closing in on, on Edmonton. And I think vice versa. I think Edmonton later in the game did the same thing back to them. They started to turn pucks over um, and started to create plays. And I said, you know, when it was 2-2 and the building exploded – I said this this has happened. I hate I don't like saying it too often, but this game has a playoff field. Mm-hmm. This game has a feel where both of these teams are slugging it out, heavyweights going at it, and it's a real good test for both teams. I think both teams will be pleased with parts of their game. And both teams will say they have to work on parts of the game, which I think is always the case after hockey games. But uh, the way Edmonton's been able to stick with it and find ways to win, they got depth scoring last night, I thought, that was so instrumental in the win. And you have to have that when your two top lines are going head-to-head with another um, team that has the firepower that Toronto has. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was fun. It was, it was a really fun game. It was fast. I felt that I didn't get in that much because I was just, you know, it was like I was watching a tennis match at times.
2: Yeah. yeah yeah the pace was great last night uh you talked about them sticking with it uh just watching the Oilers over the past couple of weeks here it looks to me like they've really kind of hit a turning point where they're a lot more they have a lot more maturity as a team where they're they're not forcing it when they get behind you know they're sticking with the process and uh you know finding ways to grind out the kind of the greasy goals and uh I guess playing the right way is is that something that they're talking about in their room before and after games? Is that kind of a focus?
1: Oh yeah. It is, David. You know better than anybody you're in the league for a long time. This is this is a team right now that when you start to have that belief internally, like, hey, we we've, we kind of have the recipe here. We, we know what we need to do to be successful. It's not going to work every night, but if we play this way, we're giving ourselves a very, very good chance to win each and every night. When you're getting the goaltender, you're getting from Stuart Skinner and Calvin Pickard, who's got three wins in this 11-game stretch, too, this 11-game win streak, he's won three of them. But Stuart Skinner's been on another level. So when you have everybody kind of pulling on that rope and doing what they do best um, – there's just a feeling in that room. And I know that the, the conversation with Edmonton has always been about offense. And good reason. They're the most offensive team last year in the league. They set the record for the, the highest percentage power play in the history of the game. Um, you've got Conor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl that literally have been pacing the league for, you know, you could go back, I think, 10 years in scoring and they're still 1-2, even though they didn't play that far back. Um, but in the last seven years, eight years, they've really started to dominate. They, they, they've been 1-2. and two. They've just paced the league. It's been incredible. Um, so, every, all eyes are on the team because of that firepower. Nugent Hopkins, 100 point season last year. I mean, he's taken his game to a whole new level. And all of that, with that kind of playing the way he's played. And I mean, I can go down the list of all the players that have kind of elevated their games and are playing at a level now that they expect to play at. Um, you just feel it. You feel it. So, we talk so much about the offense, but. I've been trying very hard to get in the defensive plays, the physicality they're playing with, how hard defensively they are to get to the front of the net now, how big their defense are and how they're playing as a group and their tandems are set in stone. They're they're really comfortable with their deep airings. Um, You know, all of that, the forwards coming back and helping back in the defensive zone. I mean, these are all the little things that I think they preach every day in there and they talk about every day. And, you know, this is this is the way you have to play if you want to win in the National Hockey especially later in the season and into the playoffs. Uh, you have to be able to play this, the type of game that we've seen this team play in this 11-game stretch. So this is, all of this going on right now is preparing them mentally, physically, and just, you know, as a team, how they have to kind of play. And, and it's by design. They know this. I think the stars of this team and the older players, like Ryan Nugent-Hawkins, who's the longest-tenured guy here, I mean, he's playing some of his best hockey he's ever played, in my opinion, not just offensively, but the way he's playing defensively, the way he has a defensive conscience, the way he makes smart plays with the puck instead of trying to force a pass through the middle. Mm-hmm. These are all little things that you learn as a team, and sometimes, unfortunately, the only way you can learn them is by getting burned, and this team came in with an attitude this year. It didn't start off the way they wanted it to, but they've, they've clawed and scratched themselves back into a playoff spot, and I think everybody's taken note of how this team's playing
0: Oilers analyst Louis debrascar guest on Sports fourteen forty. Kevin Carey's David Schlemko. It's uh, ten twenty eight uh, in Edmonton. Uh, so Louis, could you put into words the biggest changes changes that you've seen under Chris Knobloch? If he's in, instituting different systems, uh, different looks, different uh, whatever, uh, but when you look at all the technical stuff, is the main thing just instilling confidence with this team?
1: hundred percent. And I think he's talked about that. He has tweaked a couple little things here and there. I think uh, one of the th- first things that stood out to me when he came in and, and I agree with it a hundred percent. And I think every coach does, but sometimes that message maybe gets lost is check with your feet. He says it all the time. And it's kind of one of those little things. that's cliche and you hear about it all the time. But if you watch this team, they're closing on teams faster. They're taking time and space away. The times they get in trouble. And even with, even with the least last night, I felt, um, now, that's a very skilled team that can cycle a puck and work a puck in the offensive zone almost as well, if not as well as Edmonton at times uh, in the offensive zone. I think Evans has become a great cycle team, too, by the way. I, I I know that everybody wants to talk transition. I had a good conversation with Jack McCullough and McDavid yesterday, and you know that's one of the things he said. They found different ways to produce. Yeah, they, they can they can really hurt you off the transitional play in the rush. But once they're in zone, the activation of the defenseman and how they can hold on to pucks and put pressure on, um, that to me is where they really grind teams down. That's play hockey. Uh, and I think the Leafs are really good at it too. And last night they did, ex- you know, um, expose a couple of things where if you, if you don't take that step immediately and you're not on track to defend, if you give good players that little extra bit of time and space, they're going to make plays because they're that skilled. Um, They've been really good at that. They've been good at limiting those and limiting time in the zone, weathering storms. I think the shot blocking's gone up. That's another element that I think they've really concentrated on, especially the defense. I talked to Darnell Nurse about that and just paying the price, making it more difficult to get shots through. Um, You look at the 2-2 goal that was scored by Derek Ryan. There was a shot block right before that by Cody Ceci. on Max Domi down the right-hand side, and he stepped into that lane. Now, if he gets that through, and you know this is a defenseman, Schlemmer, if he gets that through that defender, that becomes a dangerous shot because he's inside the top of the circle. He's inside the dot, and it's like, okay, that's a scoring chance. And If if Skinner doesn't pick that up right away through the defender, next thing you know, that could be the dagger that, that wins the game for the Leafs. Makes that block. They deflect another one to the corner. They come down the other way. It's Ryan McLeod with the speed to the neutral zone. He rims the little tic tac toe, nice fake shot by Yanmark, but it's a pass by McLeod out to um, Ryan. I just think, you know, that I, I thought. Two goals last night were directly results of defensive plays. I thought uh, Dreisaitl coming back, and he turned the puck over in the neutral zone, but it was, you know, for me, one of the most engaged I've seen Leon. He moved his feet. He was, I mean, he dug in. You could see the ice from that level where I was. He was chipping the ice. He was digging in hard to get back. Now, he didn't totally break up McCabe from making that shot, but he he disrupted him enough that it wasn't a clean shot and it missed the net. Maybe Skinner got a piece of it, but it was it was a little bit wide. And then they came down, and he got that break on the backhand towards the net with Kane in front and goes in the net. But he created that by, again, playing a defensive hockey. By being being aggressive and, and tenacious defensively, I think you get rewarded offensively for it. And I really think the Stars figure that out. And, uh, you know, so for me, I I know that every coach comes in and preaches defense. Every coach comes in and says we have to move our feet to check. Well, he said the same things, but somehow he's got the guys to buy in. I think they were ready for it. I think, obviously, with the start they had, um, the 2-9-1, and one, they were they were flustered. They were frustrated. And I think the best thing that he did, and he's talked about this, he's been very open about it, he, he tried to eliminate that frustration and give them just things they could concentrate on moving forward. He, just mm-hmm. get the frustration out of the game. Let these guys play free. And when they're playing free and, and loose, and I mean that in a good way, just you know, reacting, initiating, you know, just playing the game, um, they're at their best, and they've been that for for a while now. And his record stands for itself. I think Paul Coffey too in the defense. I have to give him credit there. And listen, I was like everybody else. I said this to Coffey. I said, you know, you know, you stepped in there. You haven't had head. Co- you haven't had coaching experience in the National Hockey League level. But I mean, this guy's been around the game his entire life. This guy's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best defensemen ever played. Um, I, I, but I was like anybody else, like, mm-hmm. how is this going to work? You know, you step in there. The one thing Paul Coffey can do, and, you know, Jack will attest, he comes back on the plane a lot and talks to us. He 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 can he likes to socialize. He likes to talk. He likes to keep it light. Um, you look at back at the old uh, Boys in the Bus documentary, and he's all over that documentary. And it was the same even back then. They're joking on the bench. They're keeping it light. This game should be fun. I think he's made it fun for the guys, and they really responded. Yeah. Communicator. Awesome yeah, points, sir. Exactly really. Communication, which I think is, you know, we talk about it all the time, but doesn't always necessarily translate to, um, you know, productive conversations between coaches and players. And I, I think Chris is a, a communicator too. One of the things that I, I liked about listening to him early on was. He does really specialize with each individual player. It's it's a team game. It always has been a team game, but you're only, you know, a great team if everybody's pulling on that rope the best of their capabilities. So how do you achieve that? You have to try and bring everybody up to the best of their capabilities, the best that you can as a coaching staff. So individually, you're going to have to have those conversations with players to try and boost up their game. And I think everybody, if you look throughout this roster that's been in there involved since uh, the coaching change, Mm -hmm. um, he's really tried to empower everybody to come in and be a big part of the team. And I think as a player, I think any player will tell you that's all they want from their coaches.
2: Big time. Oh, Louie, you've covered pretty much everything here. Um, Just the one thing that stands out to me, uh, you talked about checking with your feet. Um, That's one of the biggest differences I've noticed since uh, Knobloch came in is the D zone. Uh, I thought at the start of the year, um, they were trying to bring in a new system. It looked like they were trying to protect the house, but they were really slow to close on time and space like you were talking about, so... It looked like they were just running around, chasing, having to switch all the time. Do you think that's a big difference and why they haven't been hemmed in their own zone so much is guys are closing quick, everyone's able to identify who they have kind of earlier before they get all running around?
1: 100%. And I do think, you know, and I, I want to go back to that too with Jay. I know they were trying to make some tweaks, and, and every time a coach makes a, a tweak in the, in the system, and tries to adjust things it's it's always with great intentions it's not like you're going hey let's just try this because because right. they've, seen, they've seen deficiencies in their game that they need to try and correct and that's what he was trying to do and the coaching staff was trying to do but what I do think happened there it didn't take off number one um It wasn't the greatest start, so I think frustration creeps in. The expectation creeps in. I think you had way too many guys trying to do too much, and I know this is something Knobloch picked out right away, especially the top players of this team, all of them. That goes from goaltending right out to forward. Guys were trying to do too much. It's incredible how you know guys just take that upon themselves. They think they have to put out all these fires all over the ice, and instead they should just take care of their own. Like, you know, they'll just run around and try and do two jobs instead of just their own, and it turns out to be the guy that they were supposed to be covering that puts the puck in the net. It happens right. so often in this game because you're just trying to help out one of your teammates. You're just trying to end the play in the defensive zone right away. You want it done now. Yep. And and everybody's felt like right? <laughs> You've been in your zone for 30, 35 seconds, you're like, okay, we need to get this sucker up. Mm-hmm. So then you start to get away from that posturing, from that position, and next thing you know, you're running around. Because as soon as you're at a position, once this league will eat you up in a hurry with how skilled and well players can move the puck. And I think they were caught in that translation, no question. But I think they were also caught up in the start. Um, the pressure that was on this team at the start of the season, uh, I think, really started to trickle in there. And, I mean, that's that's just human nature. I think there's players here that... Um, understand they have a really good team and understand that they need to take steps forward and in their evolution. And I think that uh, it, it, sometimes it creeps in. It can be a real negative and I, you could see it body language on the team. So there was a lot of things that went on there, but I do think it helped him. Um, David, I think that now that, that resiliency and that kind of um, adversity early on in the season, I think, helps them right now. Because now when they tuck into a game like, you know, what we've seen four or five times here in the last month where it's been third-period comeback, they've been behind, they're patient. They stay with yeah. the system. They have confidence that they can pull a game out. And it's not like they're thinking they're going to – like, you're just playing the game. Stop worrying about the result. I always remember saying to Bruce Lee. I don't know why it always stuck with me, but I was a big Bruce Lee fan yeah. growing up, watching his movies. You know they were awesome, and <laughs> um, he always says, "Don't worry about the outcome of the fight; just let nature take its course." Is essentially what he said. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're if you prepared yourself the right way, and you're playing the right way, you have confidence that if you continue to do this, you're going to break through and get your opportunities, and you're going to score with the talent Edmonton has. And I think. You know, early on, it was hard to kind of go. No, we need to, we need to do more. We have to go and you know, you know, throw that pass for five guys in the neutral zone and, and maybe it gets picked off. We have to throw that you know, hopeful backhand pass in the offensive zone that goes out to the high slot and it's a two-on-one the other way because the D had pinched down the wall. Like things like that were happening. This right now, you don't see that with this team. Yes, when you're playing an offensive very skilled team like Toronto, I mean early on it could have been three nothing. You know, mm-hmm. honestly it was a four on yeah. two offside after the one nothing to the twenty seven seconds in. And then, you know, there was a great a chance by Bertuzzi. Yeah. Again, and he and he just shanked a wide open net. And that's yeah. kind of been the way that it's gone for Bertuzzi in Toronto. This guy's a finisher and he's a great player. Um, you know, I got the meet him a little bit in Boston when you played with Jake. This guy, you know, he's a competitor, and that, that should have been in the net. But like that's a that's a chance that he typically puts away, and you're sitting there going, wow, Toronto has come out and are running over Edmonton early on, because they were ready early yeah. in that game. I credit Edmonton, though. Stuart Skinner gave them a chance. I mean, and that's the one thing um, you know, the goaltending has been elite. The goaltending has been outstanding. And when you have that, it just gives you even more confidence to play a hard game. But... uh Yeah, a good job to kind of weather that storm and then get patient again, and that's kind of how this team's played.
0: Louis DeBrusque with us on Sports 1440. Uh, Maybe one or two quick ones for you, Lou. A lot of our texters and listeners text in and say, how do the three stars work? Who picks the three stars? Did Kevin. you pick the three stars? Kevin's really wondering. No, I'm not. There's a, I'm not. We, we had it yeah. as an inner or yeah, an out.
1: Well, Kevin, you know a little bit about it, right? Yes. i have mean, been doing this now for 19 years with the radio in Phoenix. I just missed you too, Schlemmer, by the way, in Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Um, I think you were like down playing. Were you playing for the Sun Dogs back then? Yeah. And, uh, was there, yeah. You Played were uh, there. I yeah, I, uh, but I missed you by one year as I came back to Evanston after doing three years in Phoenix. I uh, knew you were in the too bad. there. But, um, yeah, you know, um, I hate picking stars. I'm going to tell you <laughs> that right now. I, I actually despise – they used to call me six stars. You know, uh, Scott <laughs> – Butter Carruthers, uh, producer of ours that I've known for a long time, my very first year, I think the first four games I did, it was tied in the third period. So this is what I would do. I would push down on my talkback button and go, okay, Butter, if Edmonton wins, these are the three stars. If the other team wins, these are the three stars. Because <laughs> I'm always old school of the, of the belief that if your team wins, you should have a first star. Okay, You know, sorry, but... The team that wins should be able to celebrate that win and come out. It doesn't always happen. Now, also, you have to understand that we're on the road. Um, We don't pick the stars. We pick the stars just for our Mm -hmm. shame. They aren't the official stars. They're the stars that we want to promote on our telecast, typically for Edmonton, right? So we'll try and get guys in there. And sometimes that does... Uh, carry over to the home telecast, where actually it does, I believe, lead to the three stars on the game sheet, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it's by committee. I will tell you that. It used to be just me. It used to be just the color guy. But we do it. We'll talk about it. And then we'll kind of just leave it out there and then eventually pick three of the guys that we feel have had good games on both sides. Um, last night, we didn't have that discussion. I don't even know who took the stars last night, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's my committee. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus because it's kind of a really subjective thing. And I will tell you this: um, um, and I did listen to a little bit of your show earlier when I was uh, making coffee uh, this morning. And I know you talked about Skinner up, and you're right. I will, I will, I will take that one for the team. And I do have the ability. I will say this: that if I really am. Stern on a player of being a star, I can get that player picked as a star. I, I have that. You got that pull. Last, I think I've got the last run right? Um, and just because, uh, you know, they're going to respect it if I really see something that I feel I've seen say, so, hey, listen, you have. And I should have probably stepped up for Stuart Skinner. But we, like I said, we didn't discuss it in the yeah. third grade because it was such a close game and it was yeah. right down to the wire. We didn't really talk about it. But, I will admit, he hasn't gotten the love he deserves. And you know what? I feel bad about that because he. this is the best stretch of his career. Mm-hmm. He has been outstanding, at the way he's played the game. Um, and I, I, we gave him a lot of love after the game, though. That's kind of how we do it. If we pick stars, sometimes that don't typically are stars. Because we could pick Leon almost on every night, Connor on almost every yeah. night. You've got Newton right. Hopkins, Hyman, Darnell Nurse. I mean, all these guys, you could literally throw them into the mix on – you know, almost every night because they play so much and they're so important to the team. And Stuart Skinner is no different. He is yeah. probably the most important piece. So um, we talk about them so much during the game that sometimes it gets diluted when you start thinking of yeah. stars. You just kind of, it kind of gets blended in. But make no mistake about it. I'm liking the way I'm hearing the team talk about the goaltending right yeah. now. Um, they're giving the praise that is due every single post game um, comments from any player you listen to, the goaltender is always in there. We really had a great game. Calvin gave us a chance to, to win tonight, and when you have that trust and faith in your goaltenders, it empowers them to go out there and be the best they can be, and they've been great.
0: Well, you know what? I and mean, you uh, people don't realize when you're doing the game down there, you got a million things on the go. The plays was yeah. not by you. You got Sevy kicking you in the ass from behind. You got <laughs> you got everything else happening. That <laughs>
1: well, and you know what? <laughs> you know? Honestly, KK, this yeah. is this is like uh, this is why. And then and you could ask the guys after about. I think it was my first six years like I was doing, you know, doing the the color for Evanston, it was like year four or year five, and I was like, I'm done picking the Stars. I don't <laughs> want to pick the Stars anymore because every time I pick the Stars, people always complain about, you should have picked this guy, you should have picked this guy, you should have, this guy. You should have this guy. And, you know, I've, I have this year, though, and, I'm, I'm, and I've am and i said it multiple times, we always go to the offense, don't we? I mean, mm-hmm. that's just the reality of the game. Yeah. The offensive players get paid. Um, it's, it's what wins hockey games as far as on the score sheet. But in reality, defense wins games, goaltending wins games, people buckling down and playing the system, playing games, wins games, and the timely goals. So I'm trying to concentrate Mm -hmm. a little bit more. I know Jack and I have talked about this I want to give the love to more defensive players too. we don 't give the love to a Darnell nurse enough who plays twenty five minutes in the game or Matthias or Evan Bouchard who's leading this team in ice time right now, nobody talks about it it 's like you know, yeah, I know it 's a lot of power playing this, but he 's playing a lot in other situations as well in important situations, so his defensive game doesn 't get talked about enough, and I think as a whole i 'm trying to shed that light even more that 's just me i 'm trying to you know, talk about more what I see defensively with this team, because we've talked so much offensively about it, with good reason. Rightfully so, we should, because they're just dynamic, but I'll tell you what, when they play defense, they're a really hard
0: team to play against. You're the number one star in my books, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks,
1: buddy. Back at you. <laughs> hey, uh,
0: thanks for sharing some uh, time with us this morning. Uh, it's been long overdue. We've been trying to kind of get you on the show here and there, but you're such a busy guy. Uh, we'll do it yeah. again here soon, though. I want to I want to get you on again and talk about just broadcasting and what you love about it and all that kind of stuff, so that could sure. fill another 20, 30 minutes, too. So Absolutely,
1: but you know what, and like I said, I'm not a- morning guy. I'm a morning guy and hunting. <laughs> when it comes to fishing and hunting, I'm a morning guy. I know. You were like, talking uh, about that last yeah. night. When it comes to school, when I was younger, asked my parents and anything else like that. Yeah, they had to drag me out of bed. But hunting, <laughs> fishing, and hockey, you didn't have to pull me out of bed for. Everything else, forget about it. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Sorry that I'm not an early riser, but uh, thanks for having me All good. Thanks, thanks for coming you. on, Lou.
0: Appreciate it, man.